where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm John. And I'm James. And today we're gonna we're gonna cast our brains back to 1984. It's December, James. The 13th, no less. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're sitting down. We're gonna watch Cheers on the analog TV. And what episode do you think will come on? Oh, I think it's the classic Peterson Crusoe. Peterson Crusoe, named famously after Robinson Crusoe. You know. That's it. The book. That, that famous explorer. I'm guessing this time we're gonna see Norm exploring the world. Sailing around. Looking forward to it. This uh, episode was written by David Angel. And directed by James Burrows. Should we begin with The Cold Open? Oh yeah, this is a good one. I, I did enjoy this cold opening. It kicks off with Carla and Diane uh, at a bit of a feud against each other. Yet again, Diane has messed up a drinks order. We saw this a lot in season one. And now, two seasons later, we notice that not much has changed. She, she won a, a waitressing competition, but she, she still can't get the drinks right. Where's the logic? What this cold open serves to do is set up the B-plot of the episode. A competition. A duel of... of Waitress war. A waitress war. Carla challenges Diane to a competition of who can receive the most tips within the week. I think it's by closing time. Oh. In a a set time condition, (laughs) uh, they want to find out who can receive the most tips and get the crown of best waitress in Cheers. And who's going to judge this contest? It's none other than... Coach Pantuso. He's firm but fair. Norm comes in, mm-hmm. into the bar. He's had a bit of a health scare. He's had a uh, physical from his new job that he started. Let's, in, let's not brush over his new job. In Braintree. He got a scan, didn't he? And there was yeah. a spot. He, he was quite nervous about it. Yeah. He came in and he was a bit shook, very anxious, and he was waiting for a phone call from Vera, who uh, delivered the news. He's A-OK, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. No worries. Sorry to worry you there. But what this does, though, is it makes him appreciate life. And this is where our title of the episode comes in, because Norm, he's, he's been reborn with the ambition to explore the world and uh, live where he's always wanted to. It's the new Norm. The new, new Norm. Season three, the new Norm. That's it. Um... And where where has he always wanted to live, James? Bora Bora. Where is Bora Bora? Is I'm it going real? to be as vague as possible and say in the tropics. When you when you can't get right, <laughs> you just go vague. <laughs> I mean, I, I've tried to look at where it is. It's in the Pacific Ocean. It's part of the French Republic. It uh, is almost like the complete opposite of Lilyhammer. Have you heard of the TV show Lilyhammer? No. Steve. Is, is that someone who goes to a bar from Bora Bora? No. Is it like wife swap? Is that what happened in this episode? <laughs> Uh, no, basically, Stephen Van Zandt plays someone who has to go into witness protection. Mm. And they say, where do you want to go? And he goes, Linnehammer, which mm. is this town in Scandinavia somewhere. And, you know, Stephen Van Zandt is like this Italian-American, New Jersey type, another Sopranos actor. And they said, why do you want to go to Linnehammer? I saw it in the Winter Olympics once. It looks nice. <laughs> and it went on for two or three seasons of just this ex-mafia type living in Linnehammer. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. That's what I meant by it's the opposite, I weather-wise. Wish, uh, well, opposite in many ways. When Norm gets this health scare, he decides he's going he's gonna to fulfil his dreams. He's going to go to Bora Bora. He's going to leave Boston forever. Especially Cliff doesn't believe him. He thinks it's all part of a joke. I think it's a week later, and Norm's there. And he sent a letter home to them all, saying that he's, he's doing well. Well, he says he's found the beach he was looking for, and he's built a hut. No, wait, listen to this, listen. 
I'll send for Vera when I built hers. Ha ha. <laughs> Whoops, I've lost my hammer. Ha ha. He put the ha ha's in. Good thing. Every morning, a native girl leaves a coconut outside my door. I'm a little shaky on the local tribal customs, so either we're married or I'm going to be sacrificed next Tuesday. Ha ha. Boy, he sure knows where to put those ha-ha's. Parahi, or goodbye, Norm. Can you picture Norm in a hut? I can picture him in a tent. I picture, <laughs> I picture him there. He's got the toga back on. That's what I'm picturing. Massive. He's lo- loving life. In his letter, he says Vera hasn't arrived yet, but she'll come soon. The lead-up to Norm leading, and you said how Cliff didn't believe mm. it. There were some quite lovely moments. Uh, the bit where Norm walks into the barn, he's got a bird on his finger. Oh, yeah. He's like a Disney princess. He's become Fly. one. This is that bar I was telling you about. <laughs> These people sit in here night after night, wasting their lives away, but... Oh, no, don't hate them. Pity them, as I do. You see, they're chained here, unable to soar free like you and me. Soar, little guy, Soar! He also gives his shoes away. He gives everything away, doesn't yeah. he? He gives his jacket. He says he doesn't need them where he's going. That's why I think he's going to the toga, you know? Yeah. Wingtips are for accountants, Cliffy. I'm a beachcomber now. And yeah, as we said earlier, Cliff does not believe this sort of charade. He can't believe that his best friend's going to go. Coach says goodbye. It's a nice goodbye there. Yeah. Goodbye, Normie. Coach, Coach, you're going to feel pretty silly when he pulls a plug on his gag. Wait and see. You understand, don't you, Coach? No, Normie, but they'll tell me later. <laughs> It reminded me of a moment in Only Fools and Horses where mm. Uncle Albert has gone missing and yeah. they're searching the docks for him and everything and it turns out he's at the place where he grew up in another area of London which has since mm. been gentrified. Although they are different characters in terms of mm. personality and background, Uncle Albert and Norm, Cliff's reaction to Norm leaving did remind me of that story mm. where they're wondering where this person who's been such a big part of their lives has disappeared to mm. and whether they'll ever find him again. Because, you know, like, it's such a drastic term for Norm to have a, a bird on his finger and talking mm. about how he pities everyone in the bar because they're wasting their lives when that's all we've known of Norm, yeah. pretty much. That's, like, his root character, wasting his life in a bar. So to see it is kind of a bit uh, strange. So Cliff's perspective is this is a big charade. Learn later that Cliff may be correct. But before then... Should we do a little rundown of the cast? Yeah, who's dropping into the bar this episode, James? Howard Goodwin as Mark. He also appeared in Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, The Golden Girls, Moonlighting, and Doogie Howser, M.D., among others. They're always in Hill Street Blues. Everyone was in Hill Street Blues. Even you were in Hill Street Blues. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, I didn't know it. Michael Griswold as Conrad. He also appeared in... Night Court, L.A. Law, New Heart, yeah. Dallas, Hill Street, Hill Street Blues, Quantum yeah. Leap, Family Matters, and Hearts of Fire, among others. John Marcelli as Joe. He also appeared in Deep Space Nine, The Practice, NYPD Blue, and Criminal Minds, among others. And uh, <laughs> all, all of these were customers, weren't they? Yeah. I don't think they were major characters within this episode. Also, Joey Banks. Mm. Now, he, he isn't uncredited. But he does appear as one of the bar patrons. And the reason I'm bringing him up is because of the other roles he's been in. Okay. Many of which are related to baseball, including Wilson in Brewster's Millions, 
I think I said Wilson in Castaway. Let's <laughs> go. Nah, that was a ball. That was a that was a basketball. <laughs> Wilson in Bruce's Millions. Baseball team member number thirty-one in The Naked Gun. Mm. Link Rudolph in Field of Honor. A baseball player in The Fan. And this has to be my favorite. Vulcan baseball player in Deep Space Nine, Season 7, Episode 4, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Okay, I know what's on my uh, watching list after this episode. <laughs> so That episode of Star Trek. So th- this is like a baseball-themed episode of Star Trek? Take, take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Hollow Suite. Named after the baseball sign, Take Me Out to the, the Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah. And the Hollow Suite is like their virtual reality yeah. simulator. So it's just the Star Trek. They're just playing VR baseball. <laughs> for the whole episode. Whoa. Let's check in with the competition of uh, Carla and Diane James. What, what's the score so far? Ooh. They've been battling it out. And there's not much difference. They're coming towards closing time. Coach has tallied it up and Carla is $11 ahead, I think. Something like that. Something like that. Well, we got to remember as well is there's two customers left there's, there's two customers left we forgot to mention earlier Carla was so sure that she was going to win she even gave Diane a $10 head start Ooh. Uh, and Carla's feeling pretty confident now $11, $11 head there's like a minute left she left Diane to waitress the last customers well it was their wedding anniversary we know what that means they bought the fancy bubbly fancy bubbly and a, a strong tip $20 tip. <gasps> That's it. Diane wins it. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, this is so exciting. Oh, it looks like the mighty have fallen, hasn't it, Carla? And, uh, Carla has uh, took a defeat and Diane's won. And Diane is pretty happy about that. Most times when there was a winner, there's a loser. And, you know, actually, I think Diane was expecting Carla to be a bad loser. She was a, uh, well, of sorts. Of sorts, but the initial sort of thing... Carla turns around and Diane's like, don't hit me. And Carla's like, <laughs> I was giving you my hand to shake it. Well done. Diane, why are you, why are you wincing at Carla? She's she's just being a good good sportsman. Yeah, Diane. It, it kind of, uh, the, the loss, Carla takes the loss quite bad. She gets a bit depressed about it. She's feeling inferior to Diane. Because this is the one thing Carla was like, I'm good at this. She, she was here for a year, went away for four months for a vacation. Or she's, so. she's messing up drinks. How dare you. Because that was what she takes pride in, what she feels she is good at. When she's being beaten by Diane, she kind of becomes a shell. I think she, you know, doesn't even insult Cliff anymore. And <laughs> she doesn't even insult Cliff anymore. That's how you know things are bad. <laughs> what she says to Diane is, "I'll feel better when you admit that you've cheated." Said that she cheated. Yeah, she yeah. she she says that she cheated to make Carla feel better. Yeah. And then Carla makes a huge deal out of it. You care this much about a stupid contest? Which I quite like. I like how everyone else responds to it as well. Sam finds it funny because he kind of uh, reiterates that point that he goes, wow, you, you cheated at that contest. <laughs> Which just sort of makes Diane more furious. <laughs> and then she goes around the bar telling uh, customers individually that she didn't cheat. We mentioned in the beginning, titles based loosely on Robinson Crusoe, the 1719 novel by Daniel Defoe, by an English castaway who spent uh, a lot of time sort of... 28 years or something like that. On a remote tropical island. So this is my sort of image of Norm. That's the whole bar's image of Norm. It's just castaway. Castaway, yeah. <laughs> he's he's there, but I like to think, um, what would he have instead of a, a volleyball? Just a beer mug. 
a beer mug <laughs> with a, like a, a face on it. Calling it Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it used to be something that floats so it could get lost at sea. Nah, you're probably <laughs> right. It would be a beer mug. <laughs> but anyway, that's my mental image. There, there are two beer mugs called Wilson, remember? Yeah. The Wilson twins. The Wilson brothers. Yeah. So he's got both of them. He's got two pints <laughs> on the go at once. <laughs> so that's everyone's mental image. They've got this castaway norm, living life. He's got no shoes, he's got no jacket, but he's living a good life. And uh, all of them are sort of reminiscing about how they miss him. And uh, Sam goes into his office. Everyone's shocked. Well, Sam's shocked. Sam's I'm shocked. shocked. You're shocked. <laughs> we're going, but we thought you were in Bora Bora. Who, um... He's wearing sweats as well, isn't he? Yeah. He's very casual. And uh, appears Norm's moved in again. It's. I think it's a series of occurrence. Norm moves into the bar. First time he lived in the bar was in season two, episode nine. They called me Mayday, where he paid 50 cents per month. There was no talk of rent in this episode. Sam talked about, well, he kind of said, you can't live there. Yeah. And Norm went, I can. <laughs> You're not my mum. I'll live where I want. Norm says he's sort of willing to hide there forever. Sam kind of says, no. <laughs> <laughs> Norm's got a big bag of pretzels as well. But in the end, Sam convinces Norm he needs to kind of fess up to the bar. Let them know he's still still about. Somewhat of an inspirational conversation. Mm. Where Sam goes, even if Norm didn't go, wouldn't we still love him and care for him because he's the same Norm we've always been? And Cliff goes, Nah, no, no, Sam. No, no, we wouldn't. It does. It you shut of, your mouth, Sam. It kind of falls into a conversation about uh, unfulfilled dreams. Yeah. And Norm does come out of the, the I was going to say the cupboard. He comes out of the office in the end. They're all quite disappointed. He's not living his dream, and he's sort of sent fake letters. Mm-hmm. But it does evolve into this story or this conversation about unfulfilled dreams. And Coach has a really good saying in this. Norman, do you want to hear a crazy, hopeless dream? I wanted to play baseball and uh, maybe coach a little, you know? And then afterwards, ten bar in a nice place. And look what happened to me. Coach, that's exactly what happened to you. Oh, yeah. No wonder I'm such a happy guy. <laughs> so that's quite nice. Um, but then they, they evolve and Diane says how she wanted to be a ballerina, which everyone kind of goes, Ugh. Not this again. I don't know why everyone's always so resilient to hear any of Diane's stories. <laughs> That's a theme through this series, series three. Cliff wanted to be a uh, trapeze artist, mm. which, okay. And that, that kind of helps uh, transition Norm's entry back into the bar, because they just mock Cliff's dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a bit cruel <laughs> at the end here. Yeah. And that's uh, that's kind of how it gets back into sort of the normal, Yeah. because uh, Cliff sort of confesses his dreams. Everyone makes fun of him. For bants. Yeah, just banter. Yeah. Wow. And that's that's pretty much the end of the episode, I think. <laughs> that's the trivia of Bal James. Delivered all the way from Bora Bora. Yeah. We've got some long distance travels. Let me check the, the postage stamp. Yeah, that's genuine. Genuine Bora Bora the postage. How much did Diane win the contest by and what was bought to uh, prompt this win? Well, she won by $11. That's correct. What was bought? Is this what the... Uh, the couple ordered. The couple ordered? Oh, it was some fancy wine. It was a bottle of Dom Perignon mm. for the 50th wedding anniversary. Sounds like something that will be on our house special this I think I think it will be. So Dom Perignon, is it? Dom Perignon. Yeah. Per- That's what I said. Fancy wine. Yeah. 
I've got a question for you, James. I think we talked a little bit about this in this episode. Coach said his crazy, hopeless dream. What was Coach's crazy dream? It was a uh, play baseball, maybe coach a little, and after that, work in a bar somewhere. Yeah, a ten bar in a nice place. Yeah. He's living the dream. Living the dream. What is the name of Norm's new boss in Braintree? Oh, I'm, I'm just going Steve. I mean, you could be right. It's, uh, his first name is not given. Oh, okay. I think it is Steve. Mr. Feldman. Norm calls him up to quit and tell him he is welcome to a cup of grog if he is ever by the old Peterson hut. They have a good phone call then. And he, <laughs> he's just like, Norm, are you in a bar? And he goes, well, well yes, but I'm actually fine. <laughs> when Cliff is explaining his dream of being a trapeze artist, he gives a couple of reasons why he'd uh, love to be a trapeze artist. What are some of the reasons? I think I've got a little monologue excerpt. Go for the monologue, Jim. Uh, he always imagined himself up there with them, high above the centre ring. The spotlight shines upon me and sweat glistens from my body. Below me, the women's eyes glaze over with lust. The men, they grind their teeth with envy. I lunge at the bar with an almost insane daring, flying through the air, completing one, two, three, oh my god, four somersaults. The first quadruple in the history of the big top norm, but I became a postal carrier, and the rest is history. See, we always thought that Cliff was living the dream of being a postal carrier. He loves it that much, but there was other aspiration. Just saw in the big top. Because he saw the movie Trapeze, didn't he? With Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis. I've got a little letter here. It's a duplicate of the one Norm sent from Bora Bora. But can you tell me how Norm signs it off? Living life in the hut, Norm Peterson. He says, Parahi or goodbye, Norm. What does Parahi mean? Goodbye. Oh. <laughs> in Bora Bora. Is it Bora Bora? Yeah, I don't think that's a language, but the language of Bora Bora. Oh, James, I've got a new question. What language do they speak in Bora Bora? <laughs> uh, good question. I don't know, is the answer. Tahitan. Of course, because it's a French Republic, yes. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. What nicknames do Cliff and Norm have for each other at the end of the episode when they are ordering drinks for each other and the credits fade? Now, they're mocking nicknames based on their respective dreams. I mean, I'd, I'd be disappointed if it wasn't Peterson Crusoe. That isn't one of them. Ah. They're, they're kind of insulting nicknames. Uh. Marco Rolo, the great Cliffini, which is all right. Ferdinand Magellibelli, flying <laughs> rear-ender, Christopher Columbut. Some of those are better than Curtius Cliff. <laughs> the great Cliffini. I like the great Cliffini. Master of the spy game. I think we can have a nice like, trapezing poster with the great Cliffini. <laughs> Last call at the bar, James. I think this was an enjoyable episode. Now, we have two options to drink. We can either have a lovely bottle of Dom Perignon or a cup of Gohog. This feels like it's uh, like a quiz show and it's like I've, <laughs> I've got almost the jackpot back and do all or nothing. <laughs> I'll take the grog. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what I'll take, James. I'll have a bag of pretzels in Sam's office with some sweats on, you know? Oh, living the dream. Pretending to live the dream. Pretending to live the dream. <laughs> One day at a time. One day at a time. I'll, I'll hide there forever. So what do we say, James? We'll, we'll grab our big bag of pretzels, pot of grog, some fake letters from Bora Bora about the great holiday we're having there. I'd like to raise our bag of pretzels to uh, unfulfilled dreams, and it's all right. And I only have one word left to say. Hmm. Barahi. Barahi. Parahi. Barahi. Parahi. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast.